Well, it was just a typical career day quite a while ago. Sixth grade class, Eugene uh, Lang was coming. He's a multimillionaire, and he was coming to teach this class to inspire these young sixth graders. But it wasn't just any class. It was New York City. It was East Harlem. It was a really bad part of town. And Eugene Lang knew what was happening when he went into the building because it was in tragic condition, and so was the morale of the entire school. And if statistics were any indication of the prophecy that they might have to live with, then in three years, most of the people in that sixth grade class would have dropped out of school. Uh, many of them would be involved in gangs and selling drugs. <clears throat> Excuse me. Many of them, before they were 20 years old, would be in prison, and many still would not even make it to 20 years old. So if history were any indication of the future, they didn't have a hope. And Eugene Lang saw that, and he's, he's reading his little script and telling him about his life and inspiring them, and then he saw it in their eyes, and he just he dropped his notes and, and just went, stay in school. <laughs> just, I, I'm pleading with you, just stay in school. Stay in school. And if you stay in school, I will pay for your college. I will pay the tuition for anyone and everyone if you just stay in school. 90% of that class graduated and went on to college. Here's one story, one quote. A, boy, a little boy said, I had something finally to look forward to, something that was waiting for me. It was a golden feeling. Do you know what the golden feeling was? It was a new identity. You change your identity, you'll change your conduct. Hey, little boy, you come with me, and you'll make fast money, but you'll die young. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. That would be appealing to the old me. But there's a new me now, and I need to go study because the new me is going to college. Change your identity, and you will change the conduct of that person. And today we're going to learn about how we are to change from the old way of our life to a new way of life. We're going to talk about abandoning an old identity that caused us to live reckless and, and regrettable, and we're going to go to a new identity, a new life that makes us like Jesus Christ. Today we're looking at uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 10, and I want you to know we're going to read it all at once, and then we'll take it apart, but listen for this. What, he's, what Paul's going to talk about is the old you. He's going to talk about the old you a lot this time, and he's going to say, look, that old you was bent on sins of sensuality for the most part, and then he'll interrupt his thought and say, that's the old you, though. And then he's going to make a list of all sorts of um, uh, angry and vindictive ways of using, you know, your language, right? Your spoken words to hurt other people because of the old you. But here's what I want you to see. Paul is not going to say, look, you want to change? Okay? Then he, don't stop being good and or stop being bad and start doing good. Okay? That, he's not saying that. He's saying, you want to change? Put off the old you. And put on the new you. This isn't behaviorism, right? This is a change in identity leads to change in conduct. That's what he's saying here. Listen for it. 
Colossians 3, 5. He says, put to death, therefore, put it to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, okay, because these, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived, but now, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things like these, like anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've put off the old self with its practices. Okay, so here's what you do. And put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Wow. Loaded. Again, but he's not saying stop being bad, start doing good. He's, it, th- this list, if you look closer, is talking about a whole new identity. That's why, he's, that's why he says in the first sentence there, he goes, therefore, therefore. Because from now on, therefore means always look before. From now on, he's applying Colossians chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 2. It is the majesty of Jesus Christ and the, and the uniqueness of the gospel. And the gospel is that we trust him for the, our cost of sin, and we are raised with him and receive his righteousness. That's what it means. We have a unique Savior, and we have a unique salvation. And now we're starting to apply it because we have a new identity, a unique identity. Now, chapter 3 is when it all changes. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, is like the hinge section, the summary of the power of this new identity. That's what we looked at last week. Now, I know a lot of people missed because of that terrible storm. It would be worth it to go and listen to that sermon on the podcast or watch it on our link to Vimeo, I think it's called, because everything from now on is going to be a list of things to live by, but it's in the assumption of Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Four powerful sentences on how to perceive your life the way God does with a new identity. Today, here's what we look for. How to stop being the old you. Today is how to stop being the old you. Simple outline, what's the real problem? What's the real solution? What's the real problem? What's the real solution? That's what Paul is going to talk about. The real problem is epi desires and idolatry. Epi desires and idolatry. There's two words in that passage that we looked at that jump out that tell us what the real problem is. Epi desires is one. I'm saying epi because that is a Greek prefix. It's important to us to know that Greek prefix. Epi is added to the front of a word to turbocharge whatever the root is. So there's desires, and now this turbo desires, right? Uh, over desires, magnified desires, excessive desires, some translations will say. Your, most translations will say evil desires, but they're adding evil because of this word epi. And I want you to understand, sometimes it's not the desire that's bad. It's the, it's the overcommitment to that desire that's bad. You want it too much. And that's what, uh, a great way of looking at it, honestly, is like an addiction where you want it too much. You need, it's become a need. You need that desire. And it could be a good thing. It can be a bad thing, no doubt. But like safety, safety is a good thing. It becomes epi-safety, an epi-desire for, sef- for safety when you become compulsive and worrisome about all the things. And, you, and it, ma- it makes for, it becomes, well, it becomes your identity is what it becomes. 
You are a worrier. Why? Because you have an excessive desire for safety and control. That's what we're talking about. That was, that's that epi desires. One of the problems, the real problem. The other one is the word is idolatry. And idolatry in this passage is directly related to greed. It says greed, which is idolatry. Now, I want to pause there because in, a, in another epistle, uh, the letter to the Ephesians, Paul like cut and pasted this section. Okay, you're, when we read it, chapter 5 of Ephesians, you're going to hear that he talks about sexual immorality, he's talking about greed, and he's going to talk about illegitimate uses of vocabulary. But he's going to say that they're all idolatry, is my point. And and so that we can lump them into one category, is my point. So here's Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. But among you, you must not even have a hint of sexual immorality or even any kind of impurity or greed. There's our greed word. Because these things are improper for God's holy people because they have a new nature, right? Uh, verse 4, nor should there be any obscenities or foolish talk or coarse joking, which is out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Here's a summary, verse 5. For this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. What's the point? All of our real problems, all this bitterness and, I'm so sorry, uh, impurity, uh, anger, resentment, those are expressions of idolatry. All of them are. And idolatry is when you take a good thing and you make it an ultimate thing. It's when something that would be a legitimate gift from God and it becomes an over-desire, going back to that other word. And listen, sometimes the over-desire can be the idol or sometimes the over-desire can be an expression of worshiping the idol. Watch. So you could have sexual immorality, impurity, he talks about. That's an example. That itself can be an idol. I must feel pleasure as much as I can. And so sexual immorality is an expression. That's the idol itself, right? But listen, it can also be a form of idol sacrifice. So what you are actually idolizing is the need for love uh, or safety or popularity, right? And how many people have said, okay, well, to get any one of those things, to be loved or security or popular, I will... I will be involved in sexual immorality because that's what it takes to be a cool kid. So you can see, you have to, sometimes you have to look beneath the surface and say, what's the idol? What's the thing that's driving that? What's the God in a person in your life that's causing these behaviors? Because listen, you have to, you have to worship something. The soul cannot be without something on the throne of our identity. And that's why in Exodus chapter 20, the first commandment, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before you, right? Before me, right? You shall have no other gods before me. He, he says that because this is not like 4,000 years old, those people worshiped idols. Every soul worships. It has to. It has to adore something. And he says, I'm the easiest game in town. First of all, I deserve to be worshiped. I, de- I deserve to be God, but also I'm the only one that's going to make you better than you are, not less than you are. So every one of us has some kind of throne, 
where we get our identity, our purpose, our significance, something to live for, and whatever that is, is either God himself or an idol that has to be destroyed. How do you know what, what that is? Usually, the threat of loss is going to trigger, or the threat of loss or not receiving, it, it could be uh, your reputation, it could be your family, right? It could be wealth, uh, it could be, again, the idea of safety and control. When those things are threatened, you overreact, and you're overreacting because that identity, right, that security, that's where you're getting your worth or your meaning, that's the thing that's driving you, that's being threatened, and so you have to do whatever it takes to protect that little God that rules your life. The real problem, according to this passage, is these epi-desires, these super-desires and idols. And so what he's going to look at now is, or what he's going to say is, that's not appropriate for you believers because that's the old you. Look what he says in verse 7. You used to walk in these ways in a life you once lived, but now, but now, things have changed. You don't have to, you have a new identity. And so now Paul's going to say, okay, that's the real problem. Here's the real solutions. He's going to say, kill it. Kill it early and often. And then he's going to say, take off the old, put off the old, and then put on the new identity. That's his three-point way of curing this. The first one is kill it. Kill it. Look at, I mean, look, verse 5. This is how we started our conversation today. Put to death, therefore. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Put to death. Other passages or other translations says kill it. it it's, it's in the imperative. That's kind of, it's, he's yelling. This is an order. It's not to be negotiated. Do it. Do it now. Picture this, life at the Cassidy house, okay? Honey, all right, I'm not sure what to do next. Uh, I've got this cockroach cornered, and I'm just not sure what I should do next. I don't know. Could you help me? And what does she say? She says, kill it, kill it now. I want to hear that thing crack under your heel, and I want to keep hearing you pound on that cockroach, kill it. That's what it means. That, is that clear? Kill your earthly nature. And what does that mean? It, it's your ego. It's your pride. It's the whole world somehow is all about me. And you're supposed to be not suppressing this, not controlling this, killing it. You, you, you don't, you don't, you don't, I'm going to name the cockroach, honey. I'm going to pet this cockroach. I'm going to feed this cockroach. Oh, my, I think it's a girl cockroach. She's going to have a baby. No more like 10,000 babies. No, that's not what he said. Here's the, other, here's the other words. Slay it utterly. Mortify it. Do it now. You know, you're not nice to this nature, this fallen nature, this ego. You know, oh, you know, I'm in, I can be Impatient? Impatient? That's very kind of you, petting that cockroach of yours. You, you've got to be in charge is what you mean to say. Yeah, you know, I do worry. No, you're addicted to your children's well-being. It is an idol that you worship, and that's the way you live. You see, that's what it means to kill it. Kill it early and often. Don't coddle it. 
destroy it. Are we clear? Okay. One, kill it. Two, put off the old nature. Put off the old nature. Look at verse 8. But now, but now, you must also rid yourself of such things as these. And then makes a list. Because since you have put off your old self with its practices. Clearly, almost every study Bible you'll pick up off the shelf is going to say, you, say that this idea of getting rid of yourself, old self, and putting off is a vivid me- metaphor for clothing. He's trying to help you see that your old self is this old, rancid, stinky, you know, sticky, old shirt that you have got to get off of you. The sooner the better, early and often, right? It's nasty. And what does that mean to put off your nasty old self? It means repent. That's what he means. He means repent early and often. Repent early and often. Get on it when it's young. Martin Luther, you know that name, right? He uh, was one of the founders of the Protestant Reformation, and he started his, his Reformation by nailing to the Wittenberg Castle door 95 theses. You might know that story. Thesis number one, all of life is repentance. And that's quite a way to start. All of life is repentance. And what uh, Martin Luther was saying was that repentance is not something you kind of save up for those big days where you really mess up your life and kind of cause ruin around you. No, 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 no. It's a constant state of repentance. It's, it's it's, It's, no, no, look at it. Not like when you've actually done something, but it's before sometimes you do something because it's more like uh, you, you, you can buy these uh, programs that is, that, that's constantly running on your computer that's an, it's an antivirus program. And it's constantly running, and when you're on the internet, it's constantly looking for viruses that are coming to attack the well-being of your hard drive. Okay? And so, in this case, repentance, right, this putting off is this constant state of awareness where you're looking for ego, right, and selfishness, and these hyper desires and idols coming up, and it's killing them early, and it's killing them often, okay? You want to do this while you still can make, like, little changes that make big changes. You know that little sapling tree that's next to your house? You want to take that and kill it while you can shovel it up with a, with a spoon, because when it becomes an oak tree like this, and it cracks your slab, you're too late, you see? early, often. And repentance is identifying and removing the idols in the heart that's the motive for the action. Here's, I want us to see repentance as not the deed itself, but what is motivating the deed, right? The idol, the super desire, right? The the motives. Usually it has to do with, you know, security or safety or love or acceptance, because we act out on those idols. And, and the actions themselves, they're bad. But if you can get to this habitual virus constantly looking for the flesh in you, right, the, the pride ego in you, I know it sounds, it sounds like you'd be constantly um, pretty bummed out, right? But listen, this is more than half the battle. 
This is more than half the battle because if you can get this first part right, you won't even be doing all that many things that are improper because you're attacking the root of it early, or early and often, right? That's what it means to, to tear off, tear off this old nature. You've got to be ruthless here, okay? You get, oh, I get my feelings hurt sometimes. I'm just that way. No, no, no. You're bitter because you're addicted to being respected. You you have this super desire to be looked upon in a certain way, and so if anybody slights you, that's why you have thin skin. It's not you're acting out on thin skin. It's not acknowledging you have thin skin. It's this idol of no one treats me like that. You see? I know. It gets harsh, but the the point is is this, that when when you fall into temptation, the temptation happens early on, with these epi desires, these, these idols. And here's the reason you don't want to be discouraged about when you go deeper into your soul and find yourself repenting a lot. It's easy to say, I, mean, I just hate my, there's a lot, I mean, I'm just constantly in this state of, of hating myself. And what motivates me? Stop. Believe it or not, that's good news. Because you don't hate you you hate the old you. You hate that cockroach you. That's a good thing to hate. You never liked him anyway. She always got you in all kinds of trouble in expressions of idol worship. So, right, you can find yourself as kind of getting discouraged and depressed, but look, self-awareness is more than halfway there. And you, if, you can, if you can find this self-awareness of what is motivating you, the real problems, epi-desires, right, idols, then you can kill this ego, and then you can tear it, up, tear it off because after you've been cleaned up, you put on. The third thing you do to cure this problem, of, right, is to put on. Replace it with a new epi-knowledge. So clearly, Paul's using this vigor of speech that says, tear off this old nasty shirt. It stinks and it's torn up so that you can put on this tuxedo. We are, we are upgrading here. We're trading up. We're getting rid of epi desires and we're getting epi knowledge. That's what he's talking about. Look at verse 10. So put on a new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. That's the new identity. You're putting on a new identity. You're replacing, the point is, you're replacing something bad with something good. You're replacing old identity and behaviors with new identity and behaviors. You're replacing old epi-desires with new epi-knowledge. Hey, little butterfly, why are you on the ground? Why are you walking around like a caterpillar? Wait, you, you need to put off the old you and put on the wings and fly. You're supposed to be up in the trees, not down on the ground. That's what he's saying. Put off the old, put on the new. How? Here's the key. This is, I'm telling you, he's, he's, man, we're starting to get, up, get momentum from all the theology we learned in chapters 1 and 2. He says this, in renewing of the knowledge. Renewal comes from knowledge. And I wonder what word he's using for knowledge. Wait, it's the word we've been praying for 30 days. Colossians 1 verse 9. 
We continually ask God to fill you with epi-knowledge of his will and all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Epi-knowledge. Epi means, it's a prefix that means turbocharge. Knowledge, the full knowledge that that thinks it gets into our thoughts and our motives, uh, our values, it becomes our identity. That's, what he's, that's how we change. You change your epi, you change your identity, you change your life. You get rid of, right, this, this evil desires, super desires, and then you get super knowledge, and then you get a super life. You're changing out an addiction, this is kind of crude, but you change out an addiction that's destroying you and makes you less than you, and you're trading it in for an addiction to the knowledge of understanding of who you are in Christ, with Christ, and that makes you better than you. That makes you the true you. Idols in the heart, okay, they, they cannot be removed. They must be replaced. The throne can never be left vacant. And so he's just saying, look, 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 just get those bums off the throne and put this epi-knowledge up there instead. And what's the epi-knowledge? The epi-knowledge is who we are with Christ. This is the purpose of the, of the gospel. This is the, this is the heart of the gospel, that we are with Christ. And what that means is everything legally Jesus Christ is, we are with him and legally the same way. This, this is the magnificence of the gospel. Everywhere Jesus went, we went. That's how we live with Christ. That's how we live in Christ. This is the epi-knowledge. This is one aspect of the epi-knowledge that we're supposed to be like re- being renewed in. Okay, look, this is, this, is, was the pun- this is the punchline for the application of all our theology. It's from last week. We are to live in the present with our identity determined by our past and our future with Christ. We live in the present with our identity determined by our past and the future, by our past and our future with Christ. That's the heart of the gospel. Whoever Christ is, the Father looks at us and sees that. Wherever Christ was, we're seen in that too. What does it mean to be with Christ? Summary of chapter three, verses one through four. Here's what it, here's what here's where we've been with him. We died with him, we were raised with him, we are hidden with him who is our life, who is our life, (laughs) and we will be in glory with him. That's what it means to be with him. That's the epi-knowledge that we need to grow in, and as we grow in that, that's how we're putting it on. If we let that, that knowledge captivate our hearts, it changes our conduct. So you you got to you got to you got to get you replace the bad with the good. You've got to replace the old self with the new self. You got to replace an, an epi desire with an epi knowledge. You have to replace a false god with a real god. That's how lives are changed. You change an identity, you change conduct. Look look okay, here's a great example. It's in the it's it's, it's in the passage. It says you shouldn't be involved in greed because that's idolatry. Let's use greed. How does Paul Get people not to be greedy. Greed is idolatry because you worship money. It's a good thing, but then you make it an ultimate thing. And you express that in either usually buying a bunch of stuff or using it for security and you, you need more 
in security. You need more savings because then you'll be secure. And you'll never have enough because it's an idol, right? So how do you, how do you get someone over that lust for money? Paul talks to the Corinthians. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And, he's, and, he, and he, needs, he needs them to not be greedy. Here's what he does not do. He does not say, hey, we need some money down here. Just write the check. Shame on you for being greedy. Does not appeal to the will. Doesn't tell him what to do. He doesn't say, look how, look how poor we are down here. And you guys look at all your stuff and bank accounts. And, and furthermore, don't you care about the poor? Does not appeal to the emotion. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul says, you're with Christ. I mean, you're with him. And, and Christ was infinitely wealthy and then became infinitely poor. And in his poverty, you became rich. And you're with him. His generosity is in you. Everything Jesus is, you are. Jesus is epigenerous. So you should be epigenerous too, little butterfly. Fly, fly. Be who you are with him. That's what it means to put on. That's what it means to put on. Now, let me, let me just, here's, here's how to live. The, quite, the theme of the day is how do you stop being the old self? How do you stop being the old self? That's what we're trying to do. Let me just summarize. Remember, what was the real problem? It's not what we're doing. It's the epi-desires. It's the super-desires and the idolatry, you know, right, and the sinful nature. That's the problem. What was the solution? Kill it. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then put off the old and put on the new. Let me show you a way that I want you to, like, take on as a new discipline. This is the first discipline that I learned as a follower of Jesus Christ. It was... It was revolutionary. And here's why. Because someone talked to me about this put off and put on in a, maybe in a, in a, choosing a different metaphor. And so instead of saying put off an old raggedy shirt so you can get on a really new shirt and right, old self, new self, he says, look, it's just, buddy, it's just spiritual breathing. It's just like exhaling the bad stuff. Repentance. Repentance early and often. And inhale the good stuff the fullness of the knowledge of who you are with Christ. Exhale, inhale, all the time, early and often, early and often. Don't wait to mess up. Talk, have the program running the whole time, going after the motives, these idols, these things that we have for our identity and purpose in life, get after them early and often. And here's, what's, here's, here's the power of the spiritual breathing, or if you want to use the shirt thing, that's fine too. It's, it's like judo, man. I mean, you'd think that you'd be walking around all the time kind of moping because you're constantly second-guessing what's motivating you. That's not what happens. Okay, judo, the martial arts where you use a, an opponent's you know, weight and power against them. So all this sin and motive and flesh you know, desires, all those are coming at you, and you're like hyperventilating because like, God, gee, I, you know, I got to keep repenting so that I can inhale. See, you can't, don't do this. Don't exhale and leave it there, all right? Just nothing but confession and repentance. You got to inhale. You got to remember. You've got to be renewed. That's right. Renewed in the, in the epi-knowledge of who you are with Christ. And so right in the middle of interrupting someone, you say, 
oh, no, 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 no. I'm interrupting because I think what I'm saying is more important than what they're saying because it's all about me again. And right then, exhaling, putting off. Get rid of this guy. Kill him. Hit him with the heel of your shoe. Listen to him crack. Keep hitting it. Keep hitting it. Inhale. I'm righteous. I don't need to show that I'm important. I, I'm, the, I'm the king's son. And so, here's, see, see, so now I could have gotten through most of the day without even thinking about what I have with Christ. And now I'm being renewed in that epi knowledge on a regular basis, inhale, ex- exhale. And now, here's the power of the judo. Now it's easier for me to apologize and take responsibility because now I'm being renewed in this knowledge of who I am, the power of the gospel. See how that works? I mean, it's just, I want, you to, I want you to seriously think about applying early and often. Whatever, whatever metaphor you want, spiritual breathing, exhale, repent. Inhale, understand. Take off that old stinky set of clothing so that you can put on a royal garment. You've got a software program running all the time, going after the cause, all these viruses, Ego, super desires, idolatry. You're constantly looking for opportunities to kill that cockroach and his family. You're breathing out, you're breathing in. Because Paul wants you to understand that your identity is already changed. He wants and prays continually that you would understand that with epi-knowledge. That's why we pray Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. Constantly praying that you would fully understand the knowledge that comes from the power of the Spirit. Take off that nasty, stinky, dirty set of clothing. Hate it. Kill it. You never liked it anyway. It never looked good on you so that you could put on the royal garb of a prince or a princess. And that's the way God sees you. Let's pray that we could understand that. I'm going to pray that prayer again. It's a good prayer. I'm going to pray it again. Let's pray. Lord, I I lift up, uh, I just see faces, and I know I just, I want people... Um, to be filled with the knowledge, the epi-knowledge, the super-knowledge of your will through all the wisdom and all the, all the understanding that Spirit gives so that as a church and as people, we could live a life worthy of the Lord and please you in every way because we're living with this new identity. And, and, and we'd be bearing uh, fruit in every good work, and we'd be growing in our understanding, our knowledge of who you are and who we are with you. We'd be strengthened just by the sheer power of your glory so that we would have endurance and that we'd be patient with one another. Lord, I'd ask that you give us overwhelming, joyful thanksgiving towards you because the way you qualified us gave us this inheritance as your holy people and you rescued us from this dominion of darkness and you brought us into this kingdom that your son reigns and you love that son. You gave us redemption and forgiveness of sins through him. Lord, I pray that what you know to be true we would epi know to believe. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I told you that was a great prayer. Isn't that a great prayer? Pray that prayer.